What's up? I'm Danny Heifetz, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. You know what? I'm tired of asking people how they're doing. So you know what, DK? Just now it's your turn to talk. Go. So guess what? My son, Calvin, who is 13 months old, is walking now. So that's oh! Air horn. Whoa! Wait, yeah. so where did he go? So it's a life. It's a life. It's a game changer, if you will. I don't know anything about um, babies or children. So does he just get up and do it? Or are you like you helping him go and he takes a couple waddles or? Yeah, it, it starts out like he'll take a couple steps and then tip over. The babies are very good <laughs> at just falling on their butt. So it's not like a big deal. And then he kind of started doing this thing where if you if he wasn't really paying attention, he would start walking like three or four steps. But then he kind of get nervous. And then when he realized he was walking, he would fall down. And then just one day, you just started walking. It, it's kind of one of those. It's like riding a bike, honestly. It's You just got to kind of go for it, and then you're walking. Have you already started thinking about what sports you want him to play? What are you going to put in his hand first? Tennis racket, basketball, football, golf club? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it, I think soccer, probably. I played soccer when I was a little kid. It's one of those mm. fun little kid games. And then baseball, I think, will be really fun. Do you know if he's a lefty or a righty yet? No. I don't think you know for like two years. Can you decide? Can you just like put it in one hand and he kind of just starts doing it? Yeah, I think so. Tua Tunga Viola is naturally right-handed, but his dad like basically forced him to be left-handed. There's a lot there. Yeah, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. That sounds like one one way, but it, it that's that's like... <laughs> forced him to be left-handed. Some Andre yes. Agassi shit there. Yeah, uh, well, let's not go into that. Uh also, big news, uh, it was Craig's birthday this weekend, and DK yes. and I totally 100% knew that. <laughs> so. you, got, well, you know what's funny is the three of us are not friends on Facebook, and the only purpose of Facebook now is to know when people's birthdays are, so yeah. it's not your fault. If I had an app that just told me when the people I knew had their birthdays, I would never go on Facebook ever again. I bet you that exists. Yeah, I oh, it it just should be called date book, birthday book. That's the app I need. Someone make that for me, please. Should we cut this out of the podcast and then make it? <laughs> I think <laughs> we that should, should delete be this. I guarantee our, you, someone's made a birthday. This isn't app, like man. the most novel idea. No offense, Danny. <laughs> it's about simplicity. You know what? Let's move we on. should, yo, guys. We should create an app that delivers food to people's houses. <laughs> oh Look. my god. On their birthdays. Okay, you know what? Let's get into <laughs> fantasy football tiers. We're yeah. we did running back tiers earlier this week. We're gonna do wide receiver tiers. Again, the dirty secret of fantasy football is that everyone puts out rankings. We put out rankings, but the actual most helpful thing you can have in front of you when you're drafting is positional tiers we because did it's both, a draft day decision making. Yeah, you want both. Yeah. The last time we did our tiers, we accidentally had or we didn't accidentally. We had Sony Michelle in there, and then later we learned that he was on the pup list. So it actually didn't really matter where we put him but that's what happens when you record a few days early well we'll we'll see maybe he comes off we we shall see but can we start doing the michael barbaro thing where at the start of every episode we say what day it is be like it's tuesday august 4th yeah we were recording this tuesday it will be up on wednesday morning (laughs) i just you know what i'm gonna start doing i'm gonna start doing the michael barbaro hmm that's (laughs) that's where i'm gonna get it he is the most legendary hmm person in the history of our species okay so with running backs it's kind of like it's a very top heavy year. With receivers, it feels very different. When we were rolling through all these, when we were ranking them over the summer, when we're going through tiers and making receiver tiers this year, the thing that just strikes me is there are so many freaking good wide receivers this year. Yeah. Craig said something to me a couple of weeks ago that just has not, st- I haven't stopped thinking about, which is can you have bad wide receivers this year? Like, is it possible? 
to leave your draft with bad receivers. And Sarkhan, just before we dive into this, I just wanted to ask this question of one, I'm curious what kind of leagues you guys play in because the ESPN default is two starting receivers with a flex spot. I think we're officially just so beyond that. Like the Yahoo default is three receivers. I think we're at the point where a two receiver league is just, it's not feasible anymore because you can have such good players in the top 20. You kind of have to have three starting receivers in your league to go through anymore. Do Do you guys agree? Yeah, I haven't played in a two-receiver league in like seven years. I'm in a lot of two-receiver leagues, but also just multiple flex spots. So like instead of adding a receiver, it's just multiple flex spots, like two or three flex spots at least. I always felt because every team starts two receivers, quote-unquote, and every team starts only one running back, that it makes sense to have more receivers than running backs. Yeah, but I guess we're at the point now. That's really at the root of the, the, the problem here is because when fantasy football was popular and becoming popular teams were starting two wide receivers and like a fullback was a starting position in football and now we're at the point where the average yeah the average nfl play now has three receivers two guys on the outside and a slot that's now a starting position fullbacks are now in the minority of of teams and so your fantasy teams if there are 32 nfl teams almost all of them have three receivers on a given play then your 10 or 12 fantasy football teams should also have three receivers so let's move on Receiver always seems deep, but this year, man, I don't know. Maybe we say this every year, but the zero RB strategy is really hard to do this year because your team looks like way worse than the the opposite. (laughs) And you're just like, all right, I know this is supposed to work out by the end of the year, but if you go two running backs off the bat, your team can look so good if you get three wide receivers in like rounds three, four, and five. So I want to just, let's just keep this in mind as we roll through all these, because there's going to be a certain points where we kind of check in and just are like, there's two ways to think about it. You should wait on receiver or do you just actually you know what? I do want the guys at the top because these guys will definitely be good and I don't want to caught up in the fray, but it does seem like this is the year where you want to nail the couple guys in the top 20. You could end up being top five, but anyway, let's dive into the, the receiver tiers. So first tier, we just got Michael Thomas and the Saints and Devonte Adams and the Packers. I don't care actually, believe it or not, which way you order these two guys. I think I would draft Thomas first. I actually have no problem if you have Devontae Adams above Michael Thomas, which sounds nuts. <laughs> but basically, the Saints added Emmanuel Sanders and the Packers added nobody. And actually, Devontae Adams has been almost as good as Thomas. So I don't mind which one's first or second. But do you guys have any qualms with those as the clear top two this year? No, I think I think that's the right. I think that's the right top tier. I think last year, Michael Thomas was clearly in a tier of his own. But you know, looking at potential for regression, slight slight regression in terms of target rate and all that. I think he and Adams, who, if he plays a full year, has a chance to be the overall wide receiver one. Yeah, I think this is the clear top two guys. And I've seen a lot of people actually putting Adams above Thomas. So it's it's not that wild of a take. I've, yeah, there you go. I think the only th- other thing we need to hit with these two guys is, to me, it's clearly you want McCaffrey, Saquon, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and then I want Dalvin Cook. And then that's when I would take Thomas or Adams. But other than that, yeah, I, yeah. I think there's not much. All right, tier two. On the on the fantasy football draft guide, we've got Julio Jones and the Falcons, Tyree Kill on the Chiefs, DeAndre Hopkins on the Cardinals. I think this tier is just Julio and Tyree Kill. I would move Me Hopkins too. down. What, what about you guys? Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of what we were just talking about earlier, where if you want to go running back heavy early on, there's probably a few running backs in that second tier of running backs that I would take over Hopkins. Just because what we've talked about in the past, like he's moving to a new team. You know, he's not guaranteed that massive, massive workload that he's had over the last few years. Um, there's just question marks and, and guys going to new offenses and new teams typically just don't outperform their ADP. So I think 
you know, we're just a little bit lower on Hopkins this year than he has been historically. And on the contrary, like I'm really high on Julio and Tyreek. I think those guys could like be really, really good this year. So I think honestly, like he fits perfectly in tier three. Yeah, I agree. It feels like blasphemy to do that to DeAndre Hopkins, but I think we got to do it. I'd rather have guys like Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake at the end of the first round than him. Yeah, because the, the amount of receivers that we're confident are going to get a big workload are so many, and the amount of running backs we're confident are going to get a big workload are so few that you just kind of need running backs up top. And unless you can get one of those four, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, or Tyree Kill, you really just need one of those running backs that are kind of going in the top 15 or so. But if you don't, let's get into Tier 3, which is Tier 3 is kind of this mega tier of receivers. And you, we could break this down in so many different ways between Tier 3 and Tier 4, but let's run through Tier 3. Allen Robinson on the Bears, Chris Godwin on the Buccaneers, Mike Evans on the Buccaneers, Kenny Galladay on the Lions, Odell Beckham on the Browns, Adam Thielen on the Vikings, Juju Smith-Schuster on the Steelers, Amari Cooper on the Cowboys. That's a lot of guys, and they're all really good. And that's the yeah. top third. So that rounds out the sixth through 13th at the position. So in theory, that is those are all the wide receiver ones. Do any names there jump out at you? Not, And again, the point of tiers is not that we just name them in the exact right order, but rather that those guys all belong together. Do you have any qualms with anyone in that group, whether they should be higher or do you, does anyone not belong? Well, one thing I wanted to point out is the difference, I think, between tier two, which is now just Julio Jones and Tyree Kill, if we relegate DeAndre Hopkins. The difference between two and three to me is that two is the guys who have already kind of done it. Yeah. Who could do it again. And tier three is the guys who kind of haven't done it yet, maybe except Chris Godwin and I guess Odell a long time ago, who could like be a top two wide receiver this year, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. The only guy I, I actually think should be in the tier below is Amari Cooper. I don't think I, I would take him in the same group as Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson and Odell. Is that just because of lack of consistency, kind of week to week, or what are you, what are you thinking? I think that he's perhaps had his best year. I think last year was kind of a best case scenario for Cooper. There was a lot of, in, I mean, Michael Gallup was hurt and Cooper, I think, played every game but one. And if you look at his numbers, I mean, he, and I, I wrote this on the fantasy football guide on the ringer.com is he basically had the exact same year as Robert Woods last year. And if you look at DJ Moore's numbers, he kind of had the same year as DJ Moore. AJ Brown, similar. I mean, now that they have CD Lamb, I kind of just don't think that Amari Cooper's upside is as high as the rest of the guys. So I look at Cooper's year and Odell Beckham's last year kind of like the opposites of each other. They kind of came out three quarters. Again, we mentioned how Odell Beckham had a down year and then three quarters of the way through, Baker Mayfield's like, yeah, he played through hernia surgery and he isn't healthy. Cooper's kind of the opposite of that. He played through plantar fasciitis and they really were very low-key about it. Yeah. But that is a really impactful injury for a wide receiver to be playing through. And I think he played through a lot of pain in a similar way. And I think that if he, now he's had injuries his whole career, so it's not like he's get the benefit of the doubt of, oh, yeah, he'll definitely be healthy for a 16 game season. But I don't think it's his best case scenario. I'm more in interested in is it the injury concern or is it the are they going to be spreading the ball around more now that it's CeeDee Lamb? They have Kellen Moore, who's the same play caller, but Mike McCarthy's the head coach. Like, DK, do you, do you see them spreading the ball around more or does Amari scare you off because of the injury stuff? That's that's tough because, you know, obviously Randall Cobb is gone. And so I think CeeDee Lamb is going to get the ball. You know, he's going to pick up a lot of Cobb's like vacated targets or whatever. So he could still have Cooper go in and have a ton of targets and, and you know, all that. But I think I agree just in, and I'm more concerned about sort of his lack of consistency. Like you'd have like big games and then, then Cooper's relative, consistency. Yeah. You'd have 
big games and then relative duds. That would be kind of my bigger concern. Okay, guys like Allen Robinson, Godwin, Galladay, and, and Beckham is kind of a projection too because um, he was pretty inconsistent at times last year. But I would I would probably keep Cooper in here. I think he's still one of the elite receivers in the NFL. Have either of you had Cooper on your team in the last few years? Yeah. Did you have fun? I had him the year he, sw- he's, he went from the Raiders to the Cowboys. So it was kind of cool right, so to see him was- take off. But yeah. no, I mean, the, the, his time on the Raiders was not fun. And he, he does always seem injury prone. Yeah, I think what you're getting at, DK, with the consistency, consistency is kind of this bland where we're getting is it's really kind of frustrating if Amari Cooper is starting for you. If he's your best receiver. If he's your wide receiver one, do you feel really comfortable with that? No, no, and I think but I think I feel I'm, comfortable if it's Chris Godwin or Allen Robinson. I think everybody else on this list I feel good about having as my top receiver. The only other one I might not is maybe Mike Evans, but yeah. I think Evans is sort of in the same boat where he had these massive, massive output games and then relative duds. And I guess, you know, people are concerned about like Godwin and Evans kind of eating into each other's like bottom line, like who's going to have the bigger year. We don't really know who Tom Brady is going to look to more often or have like more trust with, chemistry with. So there's just a lot of question marks. And um, it's interesting to me that both Godwin and Evans are here in that tier because these are supposedly, like, you know, overall the the wide receiver one group. I saw this stat from Rich Rebar. Godwin and Evans, if they were both finish, if they were to both finish as wide receiver ones this year, they'd be the eighth set of teammates in the last decade to do that. So it's that's more than I thought. Yeah, eight in a decade—that's almost one a year. Yeah, and was that supposed to not convince me? Because it convinced me. Because they kind of like <laughs> that was, I thought you were trying to talk me down from it. It was an agnostic comment. I was just kind of like oh, okay. I thought that was an interesting. Who else is in there? Like Diggs and Thielen. Well, they almost did it last year. They were like one and three through like they were close. Yeah. fifteen yeah. weeks or two and three through fifteen weeks last year. So, but here's my question, DK: You're the tape grinder. The Bucks are going from Jameis Winston pick six machine to Tom Brady. Whose game fits better with Tom Brady, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? <laughs> that, see, that's like the tough part because I mean, it's God, that Godwin is like the low hanging fruit answer, right? Yeah, Godwin is the high volume slot target that you know he played he played in the slot a lot last year, and we're assuming he'll play in the slot a lot this year, which is not a hundred percent sure thing. But you know, generally speaking, over the years, like with Welker and Julian Edelman slot receivers have gotten tons and tons of attention from from Brady, Brady over the years. And that's probably even more true now that he's lost some of that, you know, overall arm strength. But I will say, and this is something that I've seen people talking about on Twitter a lot, so it's not like an original idea necessarily, but Brady did also have this guy named Randy Moss that he enjoyed throwing to. Never heard of him. This was a, this was a while ago. Yeah, it was so, 12 years ago. <laughs> so that's obviously a, a variable to keep in mind. But I think the idea that Evans is not a fit with Brady is, that's a bridge too far for me because I think Evans is an elite receiver, really good deep threat, jump ball, you know, specialist. He's, he's what you want your re- number one receiver to be. He's like a big, tall, fast, dominates at the catch point. And I don't see how that's a bad thing with Brady necessarily. I could see him being a higher variance guy, but I don't necessarily. He doesn't. It doesn't scare me off necessarily with Evans. I still think he's a still a guy that I'm willing to you know take a chance on in the in the second round. The thing I keep coming back to with Evans and Godwin, it's not that either of them are, they're both amazing players. I just don't think I'm going to have either of them on my teams this year, just because I think so many people are going to be chasing 
the upside they had from last year when, again, both of them were top three receivers. And I think the Bucks' offense is going to be passing so much less because the overall team will be so much better. And Jameis Winston won't be throwing interceptions so much that they're leading the league in possessions. I just think that there won't be the same passing volume and that someone in your league is going to want them more than I want them. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to end up with a ton of Godwin or Evans this year. Where are you at Heifetz with Amari Cooper? I think actually we settled on exactly how I feel, which is that, look, he's 13th on this list, right? I think that that actually makes sense because we don't feel comfortable with him as your number one receiver. I think that really captures the feeling. Yeah, but isn't it. the whole point of tiers is that they're not, it's, you can interchange them all? Well, it's, yeah. well, here's the thing. He's right on the edge, right? Because the next tier is most, ah, well, let's go through the, let's go through the next tier and let's see how we feel about Amari. Tier four, we've got DJ Moore on the Panthers, Calvin Ridley on the Falcons, AJ Brown with the Titans, Cooper Cup on the Rams, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods on the Rams, Keenan Allen on the Chargers, Cortland Sutton on the Broncos, and Tyler Lockett on the Seahawks. We'll circle back to Amari Cooper in a second, but is there anyone here who stands out to you guys, whether they should be higher or lower? Any, any, it's like the Highlights magazine, like what, anyone here like does not belong? First of all, the thing that stands out to me, I guess, in both tier three and four is like, I love almost every one of these guys. <laughs> it's like yeah, tier three and four just, is so good. Yeah. You get down to wide receiver 21 and you're still pretty damn excited. Like Tyler Lockett is one of my favorite. I don't know. He's not obviously not a sleeper, but he's one of my favorite targets this year. So here's my big picture question for you guys. So these are the top 21 receivers. For the most part, these guys are all gone generalizing somewhere around pick 40 some something to say basically the first 40 picks these top 20 21 receivers are usually gone how many of these guys do you want on your team like because the idea is on one hand if every if every team leaves with two of these 20 guys then you don't really have an edge even though you have such great receivers then no one has great receivers it's like what is it the incredibles everyone's special no one's special how many of these guys are you trying to leave your draft with two three four I mean, I feel really good if I could grab three of these guys, but honestly, I think it's one to two because that's, I think it's the running backs. Yeah. It just depends on your strategy, but yeah. But so we're sticking with the idea because if you can pick a running back in the first round, especially if you can grab one of the top five or six, and then maybe another one like a Miles Sanders, uh, a Nick Chubb, whoever it ends up being in the second round, and then you can still leave with maybe you grab, maybe you grab Juju, Thielen, DJ Moore, and then you can maybe get as your third or even your fourth receiver, like Tyler Locker, Cortland Sutton, in like your flex spot or your third receiver spot. That's when you feel like you're crushing your draft. Is that yeah. fair? Absolutely. Doesn't it feel like every time I look at mock draft teams, I'm like, damn, every team is good. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> yeah, but it, it all falls apart once the season starts. I guess. Well, is, speaking is of which, problem. I feel like we're high in so many receivers. Uh, I feel like it's important to kind of be down on some people because everyone's just like, oh, I love this. I love this guy. I don't, the guy here that I don't like and I don't understand why I, I rationally don't love him is Cooper Cup. And it's not oh. because he's great. I mean, it's not because he's not really good. It's because I think that a lot of people are, are saying Tyler Higby's going to have a really big year. And I think Tyler Higby's production is going to come out of Cooper Cup. That's exactly what happened last year when Higby, Higby, I think, was like seventh in fantasy scoring for the final five weeks, like period, like including quarterbacks. And it basically came right out of Cooper Cup's lunch pail. So we love Bobby Trees for this season, but I, I'm wondering if Higby's rise is kind of impending Cup's fall. Cup is the one that of the of these guys, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton, Tyler Lockett, 
I would be least surprised if Cooper Cup was just meh this year of those guys. I think mine is Keenan Allen. If you look at Tyrod Taylor's three years starting in Buffalo, he didn't have a single receiver catch more than like 54 passes or something like that. And Keenan Allen's bread and butter is catching a lot of passes. And I think if somebody put a gun in my head and said, Keenan Allen or Terry McLaurin, I think I would pick Terry McLaurin. But the Hard Knocks trailer came out today and the first person on the Hard Knocks trailer was Keenan Allen. Oh, I did not see that. <laughs> so, Damn it. I mean, well, so aren't you one of the quarterbacks for the Chargers? Don't you yes. have any say in this? Is this like inside information? <laughs> well, I haven't exactly thrown any passes to Keenan yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you're on the third team. So you don't. You, yeah. Have you even met Keenan Allen? Eh, not really. We zoomed. <laughs> no, but I think there's a chicken and the egg thing because Tyra Taylor's, uh, Tyrod Taylor's receivers in Buffalo sucked. I mean, he had Sammy Watkins when Sammy Watkins was like in a, kind of more of an elite talent. But yeah. I mean, I feel like if you were trying to make the opposite point, you would be shit talking how bad Sammy Watkins was in Buffalo. Welcome to the the art of debate, <laughs> Danny. But yes, I, you're Keenan, right. I think I think Keenan Allen. It, it, to me, it's I look at the Chargers this way. I think the overall passing offense will be low, like worse. But Mike Williams is like this deep pass. Like Philip Rivers would just launch the ball to Mike Williams. Every pass to Mike Williams looked improbable, and then he caught it. Terod Taylor doesn't do that. Hunter Henry, I'm not sure that there will be the same connection. But Keenan Allen's route tree, his actual skill set, fits with what Terod Taylor wants to do and his actual bread and butter. And whatever the hell Justin Herbert's going to be if he plays, I also think Keenan Allen is going to be a lot more of a safety net option for them than Mike Williams's game. Mike Williams is not the set kind of receiver I think works well with these other guys. And also, they have nobody behind. Their third receiver, I mean, it's either going to be like a fifth-round rookie or a seventh-round rookie. Like, they don't have anybody. Yeah, but they have Eckler, who's going to get like 100 targets, and they have Hunter Henry, who's like a top-10 tight end. DK, would you rather have Terry McLaurin or Keenan? Whew. That is actually a really good question. I would probably, man, McLaurin is just more exciting. That's yeah. All. I might actually lean McLaurin. Both you're in both cases, you're dealing with really big question marks at quarterback. I mean, whether it's Tyrod Taylor or, or Justin Herbert in, in LA or uh, Dwayne Haskins, who ended up the season like finished off the season on a relative positive note, but he was pretty atrocious for the most part as a rookie. So there's huge, huge question marks. Keenan, I've seen Keenan Allen falling really far in, in some of these drafts I've been doing. It's it's kind of crazy because he's not like that old. He's 28 years old, I believe. You know what's Keenan Allen is one year older than Michael Thomas, yeah. which blew my mind. And yeah. also, again, there's this label he's injury prone. He hasn't missed a game since 2016. Yeah, don't I mean, get me wrong. I love Keenan. I think he's like fantastic. It's just the situation. I think I, I understand that. I guess Keenan Allen, I, there's something to be said for professionalism in a year where it is more challenging for elite athletes to remain at an elite level of athleticism in this offseason where there's been no practice because of the pandemic and a receiver position where being in sync with your teammates is so important. There's something to be said for me for grabbing someone like Keenan Allen, who's been in the league a long time for someone who's 28, has been really productive. It's not like he he's there is like a certain drop off already baked into his price without really the same upside of like he still he might catch more passes even if the overall Chargers passing yardage comes down. So I, I like Keenan Allen, but I hear what you're saying about McLaurin because at the end of the day, he's younger and, and the odds of his best season being ahead of him is still there. But let's let's or wait real, before we move on. Is Amari Cooper in this tier four? Or is he or is he in tier three? Man, I'm still I'm keeping him in tier three. I, I feel like he's. Just a peg above a lot of a lot of these guys. There's other question marks around some of these other players. The other question I was going to ask you guys is Calvin Ridley. 
in this group, I'm talking about tier four, so DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton, and Tyler Lockett. In this group, there's a couple of players. Calvin Ridley is the highest ranked in, in our rankings right now, and he's a number two receiver. A lot of these other guys, Moore, AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, Sutton, Lockett, and then with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, they're sort of 1A and 1B. Does it worry you at all that Ridley has Julio in front of him? Not at all for this very simple reason. Last year, same thing. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You know, yeah, Chris yeah. Godwin's the number two. Chris Godwin finished higher in fantasy. He was basically the number two fantasy receiver last year. Not worried. The year before that, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Same offense. Both top five in targets. Juju was like the eighth best fantasy receiver because the Steelers led the league in passing attempts and yardage. I think the Falcons will lead the league in passing attempts and yardage this year. So I don't have any qualms about Calvin Ridley. So, all right, let's look at tier five. We got Terry McLaurin on Washington. Craig's boy, Devontae Parker on the Dolphins. DJ Chark on the Jaguars. DK Metcalf with Seattle. T.Y. Hilton with the Colts, who another disrespected man. Uh, Stephon Diggs on the Bills. Jarvis Landry, the Browns. We have to put an asterisk here. Because uh, he got put on the PUP list. We'll see if he's ready for week one. And then Tyler Boyd on the Bengals. Anyone here jump off? Craig, do you think Ter- Terry McLaurin should be promoted? I think that he possesses the high upside allure of the guys above him a lot more than somebody like Tyler Boyd or Stefan Diggs does to me. But I, I do agree that like if you look at everyone's year last year, I think he's kind of in the right group. But I think looking forward, I would rather have him over every other player on this list. These are the tweeners. This group to me is just all tweeners. They're kind of, what's that line in Fight Club? Like, we're the middle children of history. This group to me is the middle children of this receiver class. Like, this is kind of in your draft where you're looking at Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery. Uh, those are the running backs. I prefer the running backs around this spot to any of these guys. Except DK, are there any guys that stand out to you here? T.Y. Hilton, to me, is a question mark. He's already having issues with his hammy. I think he was, you know, he's he's already missing time in, in training camp because of a hamstring injury. He, I think, had that same issue last year for for spells. So that maybe is a little bit worrisome. But I, I really, really like this group, actually. I think you could almost, I feel like you could almost put in a tier break and just have Terry McLaurin, Parker, Shark, and Metcalf in their own tier. Like I, I, just, I actually agree reason, with that. Those guys are just way more exciting to me than going with like a Hilton, Diggs, Landry, Boyd. I think, I think you could add Hilton in there. Well, Hilton's no? thirty, and after not missing a game for a long time, had a really, I mean, a tough injury to come back from last year. Uh, I believe he's tore his calf. Now he's already having hamstring injuries. That's a concern because it's one thing to re- rehab from that, but when you start adding new injuries, that's when it gets concerning that you can. And now he's got a. It's it's concerning when a guy like T.Y. Hilton is already having hamstring issues. But I agree with DK that, I mean, DK about DK, Metcalf. <laughs> that's a guy that Metcalf is probably going to get better this year. DJ Chark, uh, I believe this is his third year, might get better this year. Yeah. So I agree. Like, T.Y. Hilton's not about to have his best season. So I agree that you could have a little midi tier break. I'm not excited about Diggs in his first year in Buffalo. Boyd, I think, was a lot more exciting when it seemed like AJ Green might get traded. Now that AJ Green's like seems going to play, it's, now it's this weird dance of we have no idea what to do with AJ Green because does he want to be there? How healthy is AJ Green? We have no idea what to do with him. It's kind of just this whole weird little thing. So, all right, so we got tier 5A and 5B. I think, I, yeah, because I think I would just, I would put Hilton, Diggs, Landry, and Boyd in the next tier and just make this big, massive tier. Jar- and then also Jarvis, we don't know what to do with because he had hip surgery in the offseason. It was, he was supposed to get it, then he put it off. He ended up getting it. So now 
He says he's on track for week one. We have no idea, so we'll have to see sometime around mid-August if he actually is going to end up on the physically unable to perform list, which would keep him off for uh, about six weeks, or we'll see if he plays. So we don't know about that. So that's just, there's a lot of variables with these guys. Yeah, and to clarify real quick, as a reminder, the preseason PUP list is different than the regular season PUP list. I remember I saw the Sony Michelle one on the PUP list over the weekend or whenever it happened, and I was like, oh, crap. So he's going to miss the first first six games. And then I remembered that it's a different list. You can come off the preseason PUP list at any time. If you get put on the regular season one, then you're for sure missing six games at least. Yeah, so we'll see. And again, like if Jarvis ends up on that list for the regular season, you know, Odell goes up. That's That's huge. huge. So, and... There's just a lot of variables here. Okay, everybody expects us to have an anime podcast. Michael Peters, Justin Charity, at long last, are they podcasting once again about anime? No. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Honestly, this podcast might turn out to be like the Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence movie Life, except neither of us is in prison, and in fact, we're not even taping in the same location. But we will be talking a lot about the millennial life. You know, music, video games, strange stuff from the dark corners of the internet that piques our interest. People think this is going to be, oh, a little topic A, oh, what's topic B, oh, a little, you know, chit-chat. No. Every time you tune into this podcast, we are going to lock you into a room for 45 minutes, and we are going to do criticism. We are going to get to the bottom of every Scooby-Doo mystery that the discourse produces for us each week. Mark my words. Man, that was that was a lot. But anyway, we are excited about it. We are excited. We're excited. We're super excited. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. And this is Sound Only. We're back on August 11th. Catch us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Let's go. Tier 6 includes AJ Green on the Bengals, Julian Edelman on the Patriots, Marquise Brown on the Ravens, Marvin Jones Jr. on Detroit, Michael Gallup with Dallas, Will Fuller with Houston, Christian Kirk with Arizona, Deontay Johnson with Pittsburgh, and Brandon Cooks with Houston. This is a great tier. I love this tier. These are the flexes. or These are like the last guys you'd start. Yeah. And a lot of them are very high upside type guys. Like Fuller is uh, one of my favorite guys. I think Christian Kirk is one of these players that could get 100 plus targets again. He's kind of being underrated. Deontay Johnson looked really good as a rookie. Brandon Cooks is going into a new situation where he has he's possibly going to get a ton of targets. You guys know how I feel about Marquise Brown. Julian Edelman, everyone's forgetting about him, but getting Cam Newton on that he offense. He was a top I think 10 is, receiver last year, and he has just yeah. been discounted to outside the top 30. And AJ Green, same deal. Like he hasn't played in a, a full season in a couple of years, so people are definitely worried about him, but he's an elite, elite talent, at least. And he's yeah. gonna go into an offense with the top pick in the draft, Joe Burrow, who I really like. So this is a this is a great tier. I really like this tier. And I actually think you could lump I think you could put Tyler Boyd in this tier, Jarvis Landry in the same tier. A little mental shortcut sometimes is just pretend that the season's already over and this person finishes a top ten receiver. How did that happen? And to me, the person who leaps off the page is Will Fuller because mm-hmm. yeah. Will Fuller is a top 10 receiver. You're like, oh, yeah, 
They traded DeAndre Hopkins, and then Will Fuller was the number one. He was amazing. Like that's it's such a it's such a small path to it's the path of least resistance to me. Because if AJ Green's a top ten receiver, you're like, oh well, he'd only played like 15 games in the last few years, and how are you know how are you supposed to know like he in his 30s like that's gonna happen? You know, Juliet Edelman. Oh well, he's 30. 34, 35, you know, all Marquise Brown, like, well, we saw so little of him. I can, you know, he's special. But Will Fuller, we've seen him do it. We've seen the talent for years. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. That's the one where it seems to me that it would so like that's the point in the draft where I'm so willing to spend money in an auction or spend that sixth, seventh round pick on the upside of Will Fuller could leap the 20 guys ahead of him on the list so much easier yeah. than anyone else in this group. So that's the guy I want from you, clearly to me. I agree with you. I think he's the He's the ceiling pick. To me, the yeah. floor pick and the best value in this group is Marvin Jones, who everybody seems to be forgetting about. Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody forgets about Marvin Jones. For whatever reason. You know, he's playing behind Galladay, who is like this ascending star in the NFL. And He's I older. Get that. He's 30. Yeah, he's 30. He's never been a true number one, but he's an awesome player. First of all, he's one of the best jump ball players in the NFL. He's a very good deep threat. He's an insane value right now. Right now, he's being drafted as the wide receiver 37. Last year, through 14 weeks, so uh, almost the whole season, he was the wide receiver 20, so a low-end wide receiver 2 in PPR. In, or, sorry, in PPR. So I don't get it. Like Stafford's coming back. Galladay is this big, huge star, but Jones is a great, great value. Have you guys ever been to that? There's a cake shop chain called Nothing Bunt Cakes. Yeah. So... Marvin Jones Jr.'s wife bought a franchise of Marv of um, nothing but cakes. And my favorite thing that's happened on social media in quite some time is Darren Rovell and Marvin Jones Jr. got into an argument oh, yeah, on Twitter about whether franchising is a sound financial investment and that if his wife wanted to start a cake shop, she should have done it under her own brand because franchising is a poor investment. And Marvin Jones Jr. just wrecked Darren Rovell on the actual <laughs> numbers. And I have respected Marvin Jones Jr. so yes. much ever since he was just t- talking about like PL reports with Darren Rovell. So I'm sure he's also a great receiver, but I always that's always what I will think of with Marvin Jones. Wow, that's yeah. great. I feel like all the young guys on this list jump out to me more. Like Gallup is really fun, Fuller is really fun, and Marquise Brown. Like I think I, those are the three that I'd probably take over like the Greens and Edelmans, you know? Do you mm-hmm. guys agree? Or we're just gliding over the cake thing. Uh Gallup. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I was moving right past it. The I think that Deontay Johnson's the most speculative one here. Because Deontay Johnson is kind of this sleeper who's got who hasn't performed at this level and is now being put on par with like again Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, guys who's done it. So I agree that Jones is the guy that we've been seeing him do it, and you kind of want to be aware of the speculation of someone who could be this good. Along like that's where like AJ Green. I would rather have AJ Green than Deontay Johnson. Yeah, AJ Green's like six months younger than Julio Jones, and, and there was a time when they were like the same talent. Okay, before we move on, is there any case that Brandon Cooks in Houston is like the most obvious pick and that obviously he's been really not productive for a couple of years? He's had issues with injuries, especially concussions, but this is a guy who had 4,000 yard seasons in a row and just DeAndre Hopkins is gone and we're all missing this very obvious thing. No, I've had him too many times and he's hurt me too many times that I don't. I don't want to touch Brandon Cooks. I think he's too injury prone. He also like the, the all of the seasons where he was fantastic. He had like Brady, Breeze, but I I know DeAndre or Deshaun Watson's great, but uh, Cooks to me is not somebody I'm going to be paying for this year. 
So Cooks was the wide receiver 13 in 2018. He was the wide receiver 12 in 2017. He was the wide receiver 9 in 2016. This is all half PVR. Really, it was only last year, and it was a multiple concussion issue, which is obviously very concerning. And, and Yeah, the elf in the room, he said he's had four concussions. In like yeah. Yes, four he months. got one in the Super Bowl, I think, two years ago. He got two last year. It's just... To me, that's a big risk, but he has that that production in the past where he's a low-end wide receiver one like year after year after year. Craig, I actually agree with you. I'm not really targeting him, but to me, at this price, he is an awesome He's player. just had the strangest career I, I, of, yeah. of anyone I can think multiple of. multiple times, well, yeah. From the Saints, he, he traded off the Saints. He said, he said publicly because Drew Brees couldn't throw to him. It seems in retrospect because Michael <laughs> Thomas was coming for his lunch. The Patriots took him, lost the Super Bowl, traded him again, to the Rams, who then met the Patriots in the Super Bowl without Cooks and then won the Super Bowl. So he lost two Super Bowls in a row. And then now he's on another team. So he's been a thousand-yard receiver four years. He's been on four teams in five seasons. Like, it's going into six seasons. It is the most bizarre career of anyone I can think of. He's like good Brashad Perriman. <laughs> I, uh, all right, well, let's move on. Tier seven. This is where you start to see we don't know what we don't know what to do with people. It's like this is where all three Giants receivers. We've got a Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton and Golden Tate on the Giants. We've got Jamison Crowder on the Jets. John Brown on the Bills. Forgotten man. Jerry Judy on the Broncos, who is just my beloved. I just you see the video yeah. of him working out? It's unbelievable. And Mike Williams on the Chargers, Preston William on the Dolphins, and then CeeDee Lamb on the Cowboys. So anyone here leap off the page to you guys. I think it, I think John Brown should be in the neck in the tier above. Do you think that we're all assuming Diggs is the number one in Buffalo and that John Brown's kind of actually one B, not two? I mean, if you want to just stick with like who does Josh Allen have the chemistry with? I mean, John Brown had a thousand over a thousand yards last year, and I, yeah, I get Diggs is coming, but like we're really putting him with Mike Williams and and like rookies like Jerry <laughs> Judy and Darius Slayton. I mean, <laughs> he was the wide receiver twenty last year. Right there with Cortland Sutton and Stefan Diggs. So he's like sandwiched in between those two guys. But he was the most consistent receiver for the first 11 weeks, along with like he's Michael floor, Thomas. He's a floor play. But the guys who had like five catches and 50 yards in every game was just Michael Thomas and Is John he Brown a floor play though? Weeks. He's like kind of a really exciting receiver who can like catch a 70-yard touchdown at any moment. His nickname is Smokey. Yeah, John Brown is, again, a boring name. But Smokey Brown is like, that's a, that's a top 60 guy. I like when Al Michaels calls people by their nicknames. Sometimes he's like, and a 20-yard reception by Smoke Brown. And I'm like, hell yeah, Al Michaels. I like when Al Michaels acknowledges that he's gambled on the game during the broadcast. That's <laughs> the best. Al Michaels is the best. I think Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder stands out to me. I think he's just going to be a target hog. You know, obviously you want to talk about more, a floor pick. That's Well, yeah. The first week of the season, he like How broke the record. How can you call John Brown a floor pick in the same category as if Jameson Crowder? PPR because John, league. last year, John Brown was like, every single game was five catches for 50 yards. Yeah, but yeah, but he, yeah, but that was also in a thousand yard season. Jameson Crowder didn't have that. Crowder like broke the record for Jets targets in like week one of the Jets season. And then <laughs> yeah. Sam Darnold got mono and then the whole yeah. thing came undone. But it's not, it's not insane. To, if Jameson Crowder was top eight in catches this year, I would not bat an eyelash, which sounds yeah. nuts Thank to say because he's yes. barely in the top 100. But again, I can't... When the Jets season was actually on course to go the way it was going to go, it, he was so clearly their best option. He was pretty good. And then he just fall by the wayside because he's been a sleeper, trendy pick for like four years in a row. But it wouldn't surprise me if he actually was great. The, yeah. the person I wanted to mention here is Anthony Miller on the Bears. On one hand... I'm like, on one hand, I think he's really talented. He's also just tough. 
he plays through injuries, just a tough guy. And I, I really appreciate his, his skills. And I think he could be really good if they had a real quarterback. And now we're at the point where we're doubting whether Trubisky, maybe he will hold on to the job. We'll see. But I just had to shout out that Anthony Miller posted a hype video on Instagram and it's Trubisky throwing him. And you have to just watch it because all the passes are off target. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching this That's and I'm hilarious. just like, Mitchell Trubisky has, is still not throwing I don't know. You shouldn't have a hype video with your real quarterback where everything is like <laughs> off kilter. It's just unbelievable to me. Anyway, so Anthony Miller, just real quick. He, he, I think he's another guy that people are sort of glossing over because he was invisible to start the year, but then kind of finished off strong. He was a low end wide receiver three. So like a wide receiver three or flex play in half PPR and PPR down the stretch. And actually he scored more points than Deontay Johnson in that stretch in the same number of games. So just to kind of compare you know, obviously they're in a different year in their career, so Deontay Johnson is naturally going to be a little bit more exciting. But would you rather have Trubisky or Duck Hodges as your quarterback? <laughs> Trubisky, what are we doing? It's a fun game. <laughs> yeah, Trubisky. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I think you know Miller is going to be especially interesting in PPR and half PPR just because he could be kind of at that a good slot receiver who could get a lot of targets. So my question is is are we comfortable with those three guys, the three guys we just talked about, who are kind of a little bit more proven, like Jameson Crowder, John Brown, and Anthony Miller with all the top-tier rookies? Are we cool with them being together? Or do you find them interchangeable? I think there you could cleave this tier with me, and I'd have no problem, because the tier above them are these high-upside guys. Again, Will Fuller, Christian Kirk. Like I, 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 I think Will Fuller is like the highest-upside guy of the previous tier, but I don't mind putting Jameson Crowder, John Brown, alongside Deontay Johnson and Brandon Cooks. Maybe it makes more sense to pair those high upside veterans than putting them with like the high upside rookie of like Judy and CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, maybe we grab the bottom of tier six and come and put it with the top of tier seven. I also think that Jerry Judy is a lot more likely to contribute as a rookie than CeeDee Lamb, personally. Like from a fantasy perspective, because I think CeeDee Lamb can grab a couple long touchdowns, but there's a difference between making plays and actually being predictable. Like, they're, they're, Why do you say that? Because I think Jerry Judy is clearly the most complete person to contribute immediately. C.D. Lamb and maybe C.D. Lamb has a better career, but I, I think Jerry Judy is special. This is one of the few pieces DK and I really, I think, disagreed on with the draft. Is I think Jerry Judy was the best prospect, but I also think Jerry Judy is one of the rare rookies whose skill set is complete enough to comp- compete as a rookie, which is really rare. And I think that C.D. Lamb being the third option on the Cowboys I think that he's going to be kind of what Devin Smith was to Dallas last year. I think he's like, he's this deep option, but I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, Dick. I don't think he's going to have this mix of Randall Cobb, who was not a fantasy factor, and the deep stuff. I don't think CeeDee Lamb is going to be startable and catch eight passes. I think Jerry Judy could be catching 10 catches in a game in the first six weeks of the season, getting a lot of volume. I don't see volume for CeeDee Lamb. I see you're trying to catch him for a 70-yard touchdown. There's a huge difference to me because Jerry Judy, I don't think, is going to ghost you at the same rate. Yeah, I think I agree with that, actually. I think I would say, you know, Jerry Judy is very pro-ready, extremely good route runner. He's probably going to be running a lot of slot routes. The Broncos, I believe, said he was their top-rated player on their board in the whole draft. So they obviously love the guy. That would help my point, but I have a rule. I never believe teams would say that. Ever, never, ever believe that. Like, Never believe that. Grain of salt, for sure. <laughs> it's just mountain of salt. All right. Tier eight. This is what I would call scratch-off tickets. You're you're hoping, you know, you pay five bucks and maybe it'll get you like $10,000. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> tier eight. Curtis Samuel for the Panthers. Justin Jefferson and the Vikings. Debo Samuel and the Niners, who 
I mean, would be a lot higher, but he broke his foot in this offseason and may or may not be ready for week one. Miko Hardman on the Chiefs, Brashad Perriman on the Jets, Deshaun Jackson on the Eagles. We should do a quick, um, everybody should do most favorite, least favorite in this tier. Fantasy-wise, it's Justin Jefferson for 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 me is the least favorite. I, I don't think Jefferson's going to contribute as a rookie. I think that he's talented, but his slot skill set overlaps Adam Thielen's whose skill set's the slot. Uh, and I think, he, like, here's the thing. He didn't, he played 78, basically 80% of his snaps at LSU in the slot. So you're telling me he has to learn how to play outside in the NFL with no offseason? I, I don't want to sign up for that. I think that's a little bit overplayed, in my opinion, actually. He played on the outside the year before, and technically he actually had a pretty strong season as in, in, when it comes to his overall um, yards per route run, his overall target share, and all that. LSU's offense was just not as good overall the year before. Um, which is admittedly a thing. I'll admit I'm like, like Odell and Jarvis had more yards in the NFL than they did in their college careers combined <laughs> or something. Yeah. So I, I so I agree with you on one sense. Like he was awesome in the slot. Like he was the best slot receiver in college football. But I think that the thought that he like literally can't play on the outside is overblown a little bit. I think he, you know, he he has the skill set. He's got the size. He's a really good route runner. He's good in jump ball situations. He's really, you know, savvy in terms of getting open. I still think he has the skill set to play outside. We just know he's awesome in the slot. So, um, also, don't we I, don't know. I mean, we don't know if he's going to play in the slot more on the outside more, right? No, but I mean, it's just, I don't right. want to bet on a rookie at this point. And we, we've yeah, talked about I think this, that's but the it's better more argument. clear. Just, and here's the thing. Yes, did, we had a whole argument about this last year. Can rookies, can rookie receivers contribute in their first season? And I was very staunchly, no, because it takes a lot of time to get chemistry right. I was proven that there's one obvious exception. Guys who are fast can contribute immediately. <laughs> like the guys who are fast clearly had roles. That's not Justin. Justin Jefferson's not a speed guy. If right. Henry Ruggs is a speed guy immediately, that works for me. Jerry Judy's my exception because he's not has the skill set of a rookie. He's a skill set of a veteran player. I don't see Justin Jefferson. If I'm going to bet on a rookie in the, as a flyer, I want Henry Ruggs or someone like that. That's why the other guys in this tier are all really fast. Michael Hardman. 428 speed. Curtis Samuel ran a 43. Deshaun Jackson, obviously a speed guy. Brashad Perriman. It's not slow. I mean, whether you want to bet on the Jets offense, God bless your heart. But and then Debo's really talented. So I, so I don't want to who's your most and least favorite in this group? So I'm I'm higher on Justin Jefferson than Danny, but I'd say my favorite in this group is man, I want to say Curtis Samuel, but I'm gonna say Miko Hardman just because he's in the best offense with the best quarterback in the football and he's really, really fast and he's just fun. He's like a great, this is a cliche, but he's a great best ball pick. Yeah, he's man, gonna we're have, all just tricked by like, this is all window shopping. Like, we're just seeing like the shiniest <laughs> object in the in the store. Yeah. We're like, ooh. So I would say Miko Hartman, but Curtis Samuel to me is another guy we've talked about who got a ton of air yards. He was a constant, he was like a big play target in the Panthers offense last year, but Kyle Allen just couldn't hit, a, hit the broadside of a barn. Um, going in with Bridgewater, I think he has a chance to be much more efficient and still get a ton of volume. So I think Samuel to me is one guy who it wouldn't surprise me if Samuel was like a wide receiver too this year. So I think he's a Samuel's a big, like a fantasy analyst guy. Like he's like a big, uh, yeah, he is. He is. He was a hype. He was hyped up last year as a big time sleeper. So he's definitely sort of in that post type sleeper mode right now. But, uh, Matt Harmon, who does reception perception, charted all of his route running over his career and he's like scored really really strong in 
in a high variety of his routes. So he's just a good player, super fast. And he was like a four, three guy. So he's got the speed that Danny was talking about. Um, he just hasn't all, he hasn't put it all together, obviously. So, I mean, that's kind of the same with, you know, Hardman who was really exciting in stretches last year, but he's also disappeared in stretches too. I think those two are my two favorite as well. Uh, Samuel and Hardman. Yeah. All right, so we are going to get on to tier nine. Danny Heifetz, unfortunately, his power went out in his, in his <laughs> so home. He's, so he's dropped out. He's out, he's out of this discussion. But yeah, so uh, we only have one tier left, so that's all right. Yes, and it's the least important tier, obviously. Hope everything's all right with Heifetz <laughs> and his power, but we're going to get on to tier nine. And we have Brandon Ayuk on the 49ers, Robbie Anderson on the Jets, Nikhil Harry on the Patriots, Jalen Rager on the Eagles, D.D. Westbrook on the Jaguars, Hunter Renfro on the Raiders, Henry Ruggs, also on the Raiders, and Alan Lazard on the Packers. DK, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, Robbie Anderson is now on the Panthers, but that's, I think, regardless, I'm not too, Oh, Oh, what, it, what was written? I read I Ron Burgundy. Yeah, we had, we had Jets on there, which is, oh, you dang. know. Shows how much we care about Robbie Anderson this year. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm much more interested in Curtis Samuel on the Panthers. So I think he's in the right tier here. Um, this tier is basically... Again, like guys who could find themselves in bigger in, in situations with more volume, and I actually think that there's two players on this list who I'd probably move up uh, into the tier eight with, like the Justin Jeffersons, Miko Hartmans of the world, and that's Brandon Ayuk of 49ers and Jalen Rager of the Eagles. I think both of those guys have legit chance to be the number one for their team. I think there's question marks about volume with Ayuk because you're in a run-heavy offense and and that's a real thing. But we saw what Debo Samuel did last year as a rookie and, and with Debo potentially having to miss significant time this season with that Jones fracture of his foot um, makes Ayuk really, really interesting to me. So I, I like it. I, I would move Ayuk up into the tier eight because I think he's got a chance for some legitimate volume. And then Rager is sort of the same deal. I, I saw... Report recently that said he was train cross training at like all the receiver positions. Um, they're obviously really really high on him. They took him over Justin Jefferson at that spot. Um, he's a he's sort of actually stylistically a little bit like Curtis Samuel. Like they could use him on jet sweeps. He's very very fast. He didn't run as fast as people expected, but I think it was because he gained a little bit of weight for the combine. But he's really fast, explosive with the ball in his hands. He's kind of like Percy Harvin esque. A little bit. Yeah, I was just about to say. I mean, he's definitely a dart throw, but I, I think he's just as good at a dart throw as CeeDee Lamb, who Heifetz just talked about how he may not see that that much volume. I think Jalen Rager could potentially see maybe the most targets out of any yeah. rookie wide receiver this year. Yeah, if you look at the if if you look at the receiver hierarchy in terms of who's gonna get the most targets, I would I would handicap it at Justin Jefferson has the best chances of getting the most volume, which is why I disagree with Heifetz on his enthusiasm about Jefferson. I just think he's going to have the chance to get a big part of that passing game. But then I would probably put Rager second. I think Judy and Lamb are kind of in that same tier where we're not really exactly sure how they're going to get used. But um, but yeah, I mean, so bottom line is I think Rager is being underrated. I think I would move him up here. Um, I think we should probably move him up a little bit in our rankings. And Ayuk is benefiting from the injury to Debo, I think he could be their de facto number one receiver on the outside. So um, I like both of those guys enough to move him up a tier. I do too. And with Rager, I think that he has a lot of mouths to feed in Philadelphia, just like maybe CeeDee Lamb does in Dallas. But the only difference is, is Dallas, the mouths to feed in Dallas are really good. And yeah. the mouths to feed in Philadelphia are an aging injury prone Alshon Jeffrey, a really aging Deshaun Jackson, and two tight ends. A couple tight ends, yeah. 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 
So I, I agree with you. Plus, he has a good quarterback. You know, we're kind of forgetting about Wentz, but you're you're falling into an offense that could be really, really good. So, yeah, I like him a lot more than I like the Robbie Andersons, the Hunter Renfros on this group. I think, I think I would definitely move him up, both of those guys up. So let's quickly get to any snubs that we think may have not made this tiers list that we want to insert. Um, the only two guys I could think of that we didn't mention were Cole Beasley, who was like a top 30 wide receiver last year. And <laughs> yeah. although Stefan Diggs is on the bills now, I mean, Cole Beasley's tried and true and could easily be a great plug in flex play. I think just as he is every year. And then the other guys, Randall Cobb, who is behind Brandon cooks and Will Fuller, who are two of the most injury prone players in the league. And if either of them go down, Randall Cobb could quietly get a ton of targets. Oh yeah. I think so too. Actually, I had him as, as a good sleeper for this season of a super sleeper. Um, he, like you said, he's, he's playing in that offense. He's a, a wily vet. Um, we've seen, you know, I think people were so excited about Kiki Kuti a couple of years ago because he was getting a tons and tons of targets playing out of the slot. Um, mm-hmm. That could be kind of what Cobb falls into, uh, you know, even if Fuller and Cooks are healthy, but if, if either Fuller or Cooks gets hurt, then, you know, you're having him be the de facto number two or even potentially the number one. So I'm with you. I think he's a great value. Um, it's cheap as hell to get him. You, you can use your last round pick on him and, and and be just fine. The other guy that I'd probably put in here is James Washington. I think he's another really quality sleeper. We don't exactly know how the hierarchy is going to work in Pittsburgh. They, you know, clearly he's going to be behind Juju. I think Juju's the number one, like for sure. And then we've got Deontay Johnson, James Washington. Washington ended up, coming on pretty strong towards the end of the season. Um, he's a good deep threat. I think that meshes well with with uh, Ben Roethlisberger in theory. Obviously, they've played together before and it didn't really work out, but you know, this is a new season. Hopefully, he's kind of put his early career struggles behind him. I think Washington's a good dart throw in the last round as well. I agree. The only other guy I just thought of that I would maybe toss somewhere in as a dart throw is Corey Davis, who was a top five draft pick a few years ago yeah. and could be somebody that could actually be all right this year on the Titans. But other than that, those are our tiers for the wide receiver position for 2020, DK. Yeah. It's a really strong group. <laughs> I know. Like it's, even in tier eight and tier nine, I'm kind of excited about some of these guys. So that that says a lot. I think um, that can maybe color how you decide to do your draft. Maybe it does make more sense to go like really running back early or even grab a quarterback and like, round seven or eight just because you'd rather have the upside of like one of those guys and then you could still get a good receiver later i could absolutely see myself getting tricked by josh allen in the eighth round (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) all right well that'll do it uh best of wishes to danny heifetz without power we'll get a hold of him one of these days but yeah yeah and we'll be back on monday